0: The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Come on, who shall stand in his holy place? Who shall stand in this holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Come on, preacher, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Come on, evangelists, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Come on, missionaries, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads this morning. Amen. And lift up your hands with me. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's let our praise out here for a few moments. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. G.K. Chesterton said that gratitude is the mother of all virtues. And I'm extremely grateful this morning to be here. Thank you, Pastor Anthony. You've always been so kind to Sister Mitchell and me. And we deeply appreciate it. And to friends old and new, it's good to see you this morning. I'm delighted to be here, and I feel right at home, amen, among God's people. One more time, lift your right hand. Father, we thank you this morning for allowing us to be in your presence. Thank you for the word of the Lord that will go forth this day and lives that will be changed and hearts that will be impacted. God, I am so grateful to be able to stand before your people. I ask you this morning, God, just to speak to our hearts, Speak to our minds and speak to our thoughts. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Grab your Bibles this morning, Luke chapter 10. Now I'm reading from verse number 25, Luke chapter 10. Beginning at verse number 25, I'm delighted to have some of my ministry team with me this morning. I love and appreciate you. Thank you for being here. And then also my beloved wife, Sister Mitchell, who has been my my precious wife and stood with me. And then a great, great prophetess in my life. Amen. I'm honored to have her with me. Luke chapter 10 is what I call a great commission passage. The seventy come back and Luke said they returned with joy and they said even the devils were subject unto us and in verse number 25 behold a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying master what shall I do to inherit eternal life and he said unto him what is written in the law everyone say the law law. how readest thou And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself, notice Dr. Luke went straight to the heart of the matter. He said, This man willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite was at this place, and he came and he looked on him, and he passed by on the other side." But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Everybody say, he had compassion on him. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and he gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves. And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. I speak to you for a few moments this morning. This is a wonderful gathering of preachers and their wives People that are concerned about the work of the Lord, as I am. And so let me just simply speak to you for a few moments. My subject, who is ultimately responsible for this lost world? That was the question that Jesus addressed when he told the story, the parable. He zeroed in. He cut to the chase. He got down to where the rubber meets the road, and he asked them, "Who is responsible?" You can be seated. We, this morning you know what I will tell you, but I will tell you again: we have a redemptive responsibility. Everybody said, we have a redemptive responsibility. We have a redemptive responsibility. I am preaching to people this morning that are involved in the work of the Lord and I want to stir up your hearts again because that is what we came to receive from this conference. The hour demands that we get away from simply being people who desire to be comfortable. When I decided to go to Washington, I have to be honest with you this morning, and I, I, I want to be really brutally honest because I want to help somebody before I get done preaching. I, I, I remember the, the day, the morning that the Lord spoke to my heart. In fact, a few years earlier, Brother Jack Cunningham Confronted me, and there's just no other way to put put it. He had confronted me. It got up in my face, and and he he said, "Brother Mitchell," he said, "You know, somebody needs to go to the nation's capital and and start a church." And when he said it, he he looked at me, and 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 I just looked back at him, and I I I was so carnal. Everybody say he was so carnal. He was so carnal. I just looked at him and said, "Brother Cunningham, I'm too busy." I looked at him and said, Brother Cunningham, I I, I don't want to go. No use getting spiritual about it. I said, I don't want to go. In fact, before he, he ever came along, Jack Young said confronted me and in fact it was funny because Jack Yance you know he's just about yay tall and, and I'd see him at general conferences and he'd come running up to me and he'd grab me by the lapel and he'd say Chester somebody needs to go to Pittsburgh and start a church and I, I'd put his hands down and I'd say brother, brother Yance I, I don't want to go to Pittsburgh I don't even like Pittsburgh And I'd go to conferences and I'd see him coming and I'd get to running because he had one thing on his mind whenever he saw me. And by the last time he saw me, he grabbed me by the lapel and I I watched tears started running down his cheeks. And he said, Brother Mitchell, somebody needs to go to that city of Pittsburgh and start a church. And he said, you're the man. And he got to crying. And here comes Jack Cunningham and he rolls out this map and, 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 he, and he shows me Washington and, and, and he draws a circle around it. And he said, Brother Mitchell, he, he, he said, the United Pentecostal Church has got to put somebody on location there. And he said, you're, you're, you're the man. And I, and, and I said, Brother Cunningham, I, I don't want to go, I, but I, a, a touch of spirituality came on me. And I, I said, you know, Brother Cunningham, I'll pray for you. I'll pray about it. Thank you. That was the rest of the story. In fact, I said, I'll pray that God will help you to find the man that will go. I'm telling you that in this place this morning, there is a man for some city, and God's going to lay it on your heart. And, sir, you cannot brush that aside because ultimately it comes down. Who is responsible for this city and that city and that city and that city? And And when God matches a man with a city, hell has got to back up. One more time, when God matches a man with a city, hell has got to back up. One more time, when God matches a man with a city, hell has got to back up. I stand here humbly before you, ladies and gentlemen, and I tell you, I was the man for that great city of Washington, D.C. Hell, are you listening to me? I was the man to go there and plant that church. Come on, preacher. Who is responsible for a lost world? Who is responsible for a lost world? Who is responsible for a lost city? John De La Fontaine wrote this. He said, man is so made that whenever anything fires his soul, impossibilities vanish. He said, whenever a man's soul is fired up, impossibilities vanish. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. If you're waiting for a perfect time or a perfect place or a perfect situation, get a fire in your soul. indifference about say indifference it is the most diabolical enemy for the church in his thought provoking book the screw tape letters the profound Englishman C.S. Lewis had the devil give instructions to his nephew Wormwood on the way he should go about tempting people the goal he counsels is not wickedness but indifference Satan cautions his nephew to keep the prospect, the patient, comfortable at all costs. If he should become concerned about anything of importance, encourage him to think about his luncheon plans, not to worry. It could induce indigestion. I, the devil, will always see to it that there are bad people. Your job, my dear Wormwood, is to give me people, provide me with a lot of people that simply do not care. Just give us a bunch of preachers that don't care. Just give us a bunch of professionals that are professional that show up at conferences year after year but deep in their hearts uh, they don't really care. Just give us a bunch of people amen that quote scriptures and throw them around amen but deep in their heart uh, there is no driving uh, passion there is no place in their lives uh, where they say you know what I've got to become responsible for somebody for a world that lost. Gentlemen and ladies I ask you ultimately who is responsible for a lost world? Who is responsible for a lost world who is responsible for a lost world who is responsible for a lost world that uh, is the question uh, that uh, ladies and gentlemen is the issue that is the only business that has to be addressed when the great statesman Daniel Webster sat at a banquet with heads of state history records that someone turned to him and said, Mr. Webster, what is the most profound thought that has ever crossed your mind? What is the most profound thought, Mr. Daniel Webster, that has ever walked across the stage of that brilliant mind of yours and history records that, that, that Daniel Webster broke down in tears he got to crying brother Hibbert and he he was so broken up but he walked out of the room and he composed himself and he walked back in and he said these words he said the most profound thought that has ever crossed my mind is my responsibility to God amen lift your right hand and say I have a responsibility to God come on say it again I have a responsibility to God I have a responsibility to God I have a responsibility to God Mr. Daniel Webster said one of these days I'm going to walk in before him and he's going to ask me how did you fulfill your responsibility the hour of the times demands something from us we must now confront everything about ourselves. The time and the hour demands that we reevaluate our redemptive possibilities. Nothing less. Please hear me this morning: Nothing less than detailed, revealing, penetrating analysis will free us from cold,-hearted paralysis. Do we really mean it when we say the whole gospel to the whole world? I didn't mean it. I had a card in my back pocket that said UPCI, but I didn't mean it. I want all the young men here that are under 40 to stand up here for a moment. Can I just take my liberty, Pastor? Gentlemen, let me speak to you for a moment. Another generation of preachers went to towns, went to villages, went to cities where there were no churches, And they stayed there, and they built churches. I'm afraid that if we're not careful, we don't have the same intestinal fortitude and guts to go get the job done. Older preachers will pass off the scene, and younger preachers will take their places. But I'm telling some of us today, we do not need to sit around and pray for God to kill old preachers so that we can inherit their churches when all the time we don't have the passion and the intestinal fortitude and the love for people to lead those churches. I'm telling us today, we've got to ask God, God, give me a burning fire in my soul because there is a lost world and I am responsible for that world. Be seated. We must ask ourselves, just who are we? What do we possess? Is the message of Acts 238 still relevant? How do we effectively and creatively communicate our message that no longer possesses a historic Judeo-Christian marker? How do we speak to a lost world, a lost generation? that does not understand the language and the culture of religious people. How do we speak to what they are now calling the postmodern generation? I look at the kids in our youth group and I, 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 I gotta tell you, their parents are not in our church, 99% of them. They're there on Sunday mornings early, they've got their own section, I look at them And I'm thinking, oh God, the church has got to come to grips, it's another generation. It's another generation, God. They, they don't have Judeo-Christian markers in their lives. Nobody in their home believes in God. Nobody in their home ever picks up a Bible. And here we are. We've got to reach this generation. It's a generation that we're not familiar with. They don't understand the things that we throw around, all the words that we throw around. But we're responsible to reach that generation. I tell you, we're responsible to reach that generation. How do we live out the Bible-based disciplines that we practice so that we can attract people into a real relationship with Jesus Christ? How do we live out the disciplines of the Christian life and yet never allow people to think that we're just inviting them to a set of rules? Because if you don't understand, I'm going to explain to you this morning. The generation that we are a part, we're attempting to reach, rules mean nothing to them. Rules mean nothing to them. And so when I show up with my bag of rules, they are not even listening to me. Come on, preachers. I'm telling you, we've got to quit asking questions that nobody's even asking. We've got to start giving Amen answers to questions that nobody's even asking. What's this generation looking for? What kind of questions are they asking? I'm telling you, we can still take this Bible and we can still give them answers. But we've got to understand first, we're responsible. We're responsible. I am responsible. Come on, everybody, stand here for a moment. Uh, Come on, lift your hand uh, and say, I have a redemptive responsibility. God will judge me. Come on, God will judge me. God will judge me if I show up and I did not do something. Be seated whenever God showed up in the word of the Lord whenever he revealed himself to people out of it there always came a profound sense God what is it that you want of me what is it you want me to do I fear I fear for us, uh, lest we would regulate uh, evangelism uh, and this business of soul winning, uh, amen, off to some uh, program uh, or some department uh, or some division. Uh, You hear me today, uh, amen. Uh, All great churches uh, are led by preachers uh, that are soul winners uh, at heart. Uh, All great churches uh, are led uh, by soul winners uh, at heart. Uh, Come on because of the times all great churches are are led by people who have a heart for souls 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 Isaiah 6 and 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah 6 and 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send and who will go for us? And then said, I send me, send me. Jeremiah chapter 20 verses and verse 9. Amen, the New Living Translation puts it this way. I can't stop if I'll say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name. His word burns in my heart. It is like a fire in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Here's the word of the Lord this morning. Preacher, get get fire in your bones. 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 Whatever happened to fire in your bones whatever happened to getting fire in your bones The servant will be severely punished Luke chapter 12 47 the servant will be severely punished if I say severely punished for though he knew his duty He refused to do it. But people who are not aware that they're doing wrong will be punished only slightly. Much is required from those to whom much is given. And then the writer said, much more. I say much more much more. We have more in the United Pentecostal Church. We've been given more. We know more. God, why have you blessed us this way? It is because you require a whole lot more out of us. When he wrote to the great church at Rome, Romans chapter 1, the apostle paul said it this way for i have a great sense of obligation to people in our culture and to people in other cultures to the un- to the educated and to the uneducated alike so I'm eager to come and preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also he said I'm a debtor I have a responsibility to the educated listen to me this morning amen when you come to the line of education amen no matter what line, side of the line you're on if you've got a burden for souls you step across that line and you say it's just another person it's just another person it's just another soul and I'm going to reach for them when you come to that ethnic line, when you come to that color line, you step across that line and you say, It's just another soul, it's just another soul. <laughs> lines were not meant to hold us in, lines were there to challenge us uh, to step across there's a revival waiting on the other side of the line Let me help some of you this morning. When we got to Washington, I was so scared. I was pathetic. Pastor Anthony. We moved in. And I was so scared. I thought, God, what have I done to my wife? I remember pulling out all of my sermons and looking at them. And I walked over to the trash can. And I just... I remember getting down on my knees that first week. And I remember crying, and I remember telling God, God, you got to help me. I'm talking to some home missionary here today. Let me just help you for a moment. I remember telling the Lord, God, you got to help us. What am I going to do, God? What am I going to do? And as clear as day, I remember hearing the voice of the Lord, and he said, Chester, have you ever heard about people? And I said, Would you say that again? He said, Have you ever heard about people? I'm submitting to you this morning, there are far too many preachers among us that fundamentally have gotten away from loving people. Now listen to me. Somebody said, you know, man, I'm no longer a shepherd, I'm I'm a rancher. right. You're a wannabe rancher. So I said, you're either a shepherd or you're a rancher. I'm going to tell you something. You are no rancher. You're nothing until you come back to just simply a heart for people. I fear for us that we've gotten away from just simply walking and talking and touching ordinary people. Amen. Bishop Haney spoke to us yesterday. Amen. And in the years that I worked with him. Amen. Bishop Tenney. I'd go to these donut shops with him. Don't tell him I told you this. But he loved to have meetings in donut shops. And so I'd grab my notepad and we'd drive down to the local donut shop and we'd walk in. But I always noticed something about him. No matter what what the business was it didn't matter how big the the church problem was brother Harper we'd walk in and in two seconds he'd find somebody in that donut shop and he'd start talking to them come on preachers come on churches come on there's a lost world and we've got to start seeing it again we are responsible for that world What would happen if every preacher would walk out of this conference and say, I'm going back to my city. And before I ask my church to become soul winners, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to start touching people and touching people and touching people and touching people. I got off my knees. I said, Sister Mitchell. We're gonna go out and we're just gonna touch people. We got out of there. We walked into the local Walmart. How many's got a Walmart in your town? Come on, we walked into the local Walmart. Amen, We, we told each other, we're gonna walk up and down the aisles and everybody that we see, we're gonna get close to them. We're gonna start a conversation with them. What's wrong with us? We don't even talk to lost people anymore we don't even talk to lost people anymore we don't even talk to lost people anymore come on preacher get your bible amen and lay it down and go out there in the real world and talk to somebody just talk to somebody just talk to somebody just get out of the house and go talk to somebody come on, get off that boat, amen, get off that golf course and just go talk to somebody, just go talk to somebody, just go talk to somebody. We walked into that local Walmart, we walked over to the fabric section, Sister Mitchell had to buy some fabric fabric, and I walked over there with her, amen, and I stood there just twiddling my thumb and I felt the Holy Ghost just kick me in the butt and say, get moving, Come on, preacher, get moving. Just get moving. Just get going. Just get going. Just get going. I looked to my left. I saw Karen Davis. Amen. She was the manager of that department. She was packing away some stuff in that department. I walked over to her. I stuck out my right hand. I said, Ma'am, my name is Chester Mitchell. I've come to Washington to start a church. She said, What kind of a church? I said, A United Pentecostal Church. She said, How are you going to do it? I said, I've got a Search for Truth Bible Study church, and I'm going to teach everybody that I can. (laughs) Tears started rolling down her cheeks. She was a backslider that had been away from God for years. How did I find her? It began when I understood I am responsible, I am responsible, I am responsible, I am responsible for a lost world. (laughs) I remember the morning i was praying on my knees just a few days earlier in a bible study amen in those days we we had 25 people amen or more sometimes we had 30 people in our apartment amen we got that search for truth bible study chart out and we just taught those people and and, and love them they come in there amen they were all made up and decked out but we love them and we love them and we love them come on preacher come on come on come on this thing has got to get back down to one lost person one lost Soul. This thing has got to come down to a Bible study chart. Amen. And walk into somebody's house. Amen. And say, you know what? I'm a preacher and I got sermons, but I'm here because I love a lost world. A few days earlier in my Bible study, Linda Eubanks had told me, she said, Pastor, she said, my stepson, Musa. He just graduated from George Washington Law School and he's gotten sick and the doctors don't know what's wrong with him. He's in the hospital. He's, he's dying. Amen. I said, Linda, we will pray. In fact, we prayed right there in the Bible study at the conclusion. The next morning I'm, ne- I'm kneeling down in my office and I'm praying. Amen. And God brings him before my eyes and said, Chester, get up. You go down to that hospital right now and pray for that young man. And so I got up. I said, Sister Mitchell, we got to go. She said, where are going, I said, we're going to that Fair Oaks Hospital. There's a young man there and we're going to go pray for him. We got in that car and drove 25 minutes. Amen. I took that elevator up to the second floor. I said, where is Musa Eubanks? She said, that door. I knocked on that door and when I walked in, his mom looked up with tears in her eyes. Amen. She said, I've just got done praying. God, my son's dying. Send Send a preacher. Send a preacher. Send a preacher. Send a preacher. Come on. There's a city calling send a preacher send a preacher send a preacher send a preacher send a preacher, send a preacher. Jesus Christ confronted dysfunctional preaching if I say dysfunctional preaching dysfunctional preaching brother Mitchell what's that it's preaching that gets away from people it's a guy that's got a preaching garment on and he's walking down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho And he sees a a real person. Everybody say a real person. Come on. I'm telling you today, if you're a preacher in this room and you're not involved with a real lost person, shame on you. He sees a real man. Everybody say it was a real man. It was a real man. And he was not and he just simply pulled his professional robe and he kept on going on. he passed a re- A preacher past a real hurting person. I'm then a Levite, a professional worshiper. And he walked by the same road and he saw a real I knocked on the door that morning. Pushed it open. And Mrs. Eubanks got to cry and she said, Come on in, pastor. She said, We've been waiting for you. She said, My son's dying. She said he just graduated from law school. His cap and gown, we're hanging behind the door. She said, God's gonna have to help us. I said, I've come to pray for your son. Him and his girlfriend were living together. We joined hands. We prayed. A couple Sundays later, I looked up, and here he comes walking in. He said, Pastor Mitchell, we're living together, but we got to get married. He said, would you marry us? I said, I'd be delighted to marry you. Amen. Sister Mitchell and I, amen, married them. We taught them that search for truth Bible study. Amen. I baptized them in Jesus' name. They received the Holy Ghost. You say, preacher, how did you find them? Somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho, there is a revival that's waiting to be found. Come on, preacher. you got to find it. You've got to find it. You've got to find it. You've got to find it. Revival happens somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. Close your eyes for a moment. I want everybody in this building right now that you have somebody that is lost, that you are personally working with right now. Amen. I want you just to stand. You're personally working with them. I want everybody else to stand. I'm finished. Listen to me. When he spoke that day, come on, Brother Kevin, he had one question that he wanted to ask them, and it was simply this. Who is responsible? Come on, Mr. Preacher. Great churches are led by people who are soul winners. But get their hands dirty. Come on. Don't just yawn this morning. Get your hands back in the harvest. Let your people see you down there loving somebody lay that Pentecostal pride down. Come on, lay that Pentecostal pride down and just start loving somebody. Sister Mitchell and I, we know what it's like to go down, amen, to the local homeless shelter and pick him up for the man, amen, and bring him to church, amen, and during the holidays, amen, to get close for their kids and take it down there, amen, and give it to them, amen. I, I, you just, You, you just got to fall in love with people. who's responsible for a lost world. The beginning of last year, I was in prayer and the Lord spoke to me. Sean and Kim had walked into our church. He's the vice president for his company around the Beltway. His wife has the beginning stages of MS. They walked into our church. Somebody invited them, dropped them off, and never came back. Practically, God said, "I want you and Sister Mitchell to go over and teach Sean a Bible study." And so I called him up. I said, "Sean, I said I want to teach you a Bible study in 2001." He said, "Pastor." In fact, he got to crying. He said, you mean you would come to our house and teach us a Bible study? I said, yeah, we'll come to your house. We'll come to your house. Yeah. And so every Tuesday, Sister Mitchell and I would grab our Bible study chart and we'd go over. And John and Kim would sit there and I'd open it up. And we teach. And sometimes it's, his job would have him in, 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 in another city. And several times he told me, he said, Pastor... He said, "Wherever I am," he said, "Come Tuesday afternoon." He said, "I'm going to walk out of that meeting with those fellas, and I'm going to tell them I got to get home to Washington. My pastor is coming to teach me a Bible study." Amen. So Tuesday after Tuesday, we teach him a Bible study. But Pastor Man, man here's what I want to tell this, these people: Amen. We were in the middle of the Bible study when we got over, Amen, to the Book of John, and 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 you talked about it this morning in the symposium, and I. I got to teaching them, amen. Jesus said, he that hath seen me, hath seen the Father. And Kim got to cry and Sean got to cry. And here's what they said. They said, Pastor Mitchell, no one had ever told us that Jesus was the Father. I said, no one ever told us that Jesus was the Father. They said no one had ever explained it to us, come on, and we wear fancy suits, and fancy clothes, and fancy hairdos, and drive nice cars, and live in nice houses, and nothing wrong with any of that stuff, I take nothing away from anybody today, but I'm telling you, all of that stuff means nothing come on close your eyes ask God today to forgive you for passing that man that woman ask God to help you today to get a new passion and a new heart for somebody that's incredibly lost come on Mr. Preacher man go home and throw away some of those sermons they're no good they don't work amen go away and go throw those things away they don't work and get down one more time and say god if i never preach one more sermon i'm gonna be a soul winner in 2002 if they never invite me to preach anywhere i'm gonna be a soul winner a soul winner a soul winner a soul winner Come on preacher lift that hand up and say God make me a soul winner, make me a soul winner just make me a soul winner, just make me a soul winner, just make me a soul winner. Don't make me a professional preacher, don't make me a professional worshiper. Just make me a soul winner. We just heard the difference between a sermon and a man with a burden. Let's go to our faces in prayer.